there, industrial marketer. Welcome to the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We're your hosts, Brendan Forrest and Mary Keough. And like you, we both cut our teeth in-house in manufacturing companies. Today, we are senior strategists at Gorilla76, an agency dedicated to building revenue-focused marketing programs for industrial companies. Today, Alan Fenewald is joining us. He is Gorilla76's conversion copywriter, and he is here to talk about conversion copywriting. Alan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Excited yeah, so to talk conversion. Last week, you joined us on Industrial Marketing Live. Mary, good job hosting that without me. Uh, you and Peyton did a great job getting Alan to uh, get out of his shell a little bit. So It wasn't easy. <laughs> no. We really needed the Brendan touch during the That's time. right. No, that was, that was good stuff. I uh, listened to it while I made dinner last night. So um, I'm ready to talk about conversion copywriting. So Alan, you kind of went into the theory of conversion copywriting in that one, you know, talked about biases and, uh, you know, ad structure and that sort of thing. I want to talk today to you about like how to practically write ads. Like what is your process to help people that aren't writers, right? Like we're talking about people with probably business degrees, um, probably not a lot of like English degrees out here in our, our small uh, marketing teams, right? So let's give them some some tools for the toolbox on how to actually like start writing ads that convert for LinkedIn and Facebook. So um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna kick it over to you, Alan. Uh, like, where do you start in this process on on writing? Like, what, what is that, like, what does that first step look like? Okay, well, I will say it doesn't happen exactly the same way every time, but I'm gonna give you the best kind of standard framework of how this usually goes for us. And I am lucky enough to get a brief from the strategist, which I'm assuming a lot of the people we have listening are going to be writing that themselves. So put yourself together a nice little brief that includes the key pain points, who your uh, prospect is, you know, who you're trying to get to buy, um, what the key things about your product are that are attractive to them. You want all that in one place that you can constantly go back to. I tend to even just paste that at the bottom of my doc so I can just scroll right down to it and remind myself what I'm doing if I like have a moment of brain fog and can just get right back on track. Um, so yeah, make sure that you have all of the things you want to accomplish in one spot. Um, from there, I tend to review the wireframe of the landing page if we have a landing page that we're going to be linking to or writing on just to make sure that I know if I'm needing to write the landing page, how much space I need to cover and what the key points are. Mm -hmm. And if the landing page is already written, I want to know what's all on there so that I can message match appropriately to the ad copy. So I um, want to jump in here. So I, Mary, correct me if you think I'm wrong here, but I'd say probably 90 to 95% of the ads that we do at Gorilla are based off of a piece of content, right? So it either comes from a article, a landing page, or a case study, or a piece of micro content, like a videogram, or a long form type video, like a brand video, a product video, um, you know, maybe like a case study video. Uh, but so that, that's like our philosophy on marketing, right? Demand generation. We want to distribute content to the audience to build trust and, ex and expertise with them, right? Uh, or build trust and, and uh, show off our expertise. So um, we do that through content. And our ads are a lot of times like how we distribute that content in a paid manner. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I think that's really accurate. So, Al, so you basically, you will get the brief from the strategist, like, here's what we want this ad to do. And then here's the piece of content that the ad is going to be driving to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, start with that. Make sure that you're really comfortable with what you need to accomplish and how it's going to be done, at least on the outline basis. And then from there, I really start digging into that target prospect 
Um, what are their lives like? What are their pain points? What is their job expectation throughout the day? Um, try to get in their shoes as much as possible. Um, hopefully, if you've got some customer interviews, those are my favorite thing to go to. If you don't, you got to be a bit more creative. Um, you know, find that information anywhere you can within your organization. Sales probably have a decent idea of that kind of thing. Um, and also, you need to be thinking about what language they are most comfortable being spoken to. Mm. Um, so most likely it's going to be, as we tend to put it, customer of language It's the same language they use every day is the thing that they're going to uh, receive the best. So I try to find examples of how they talk. Again, customer interviews are the easiest way to do it because mm -hmm. they're talking to you. Um, so I'll look for any phrases or any indications of like cultural stuff that they're probably going to appreciate that you can think about when you're actually writing the ad copy, just what framing mechanisms are going to be the most effective. Um, so from there, you think about how your solution is going to address those pain points, how it's going to affect their lives, ideally, you know, hopefully in a positive way. In fact, if it's in a negative way, you should probably give them plenty of indications that this is not the thing that they need to buy. Mm -hmm. As if you sell something to somebody that they're not going to actually like, then you're not going to get any repeat business. So, um, so yeah, just I'll sit with that. I don't even tend to write anything down. I'll just sit staring at my keyboard, thinking about all that stuff for probably an amount of time that would be troubling to anyone actually watching me doing it. Uh, Alan, are you a, are you a blank page writer? Like where you just start with a blank sheet and then you just stare at that until the words pop in your head? Or do you like try to outline something first and then, or, you know, like, you know, kind of list out, like, this is the goal of the ad. Like, do you start with a blank page or do you start with something on the page usually? I usually put my headings in or I'll just like, this is my on image headline. This will go here. This is my body copy. This will go here. This is my link headline. So that at least I've already got it. The puzzle there, I just need to color in the pieces. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's the le less intimidating way to go about it than just having that blank page and just trying to put words onto nothing. Um, but from there, I don't have a great, like some people I'm sure have like, I always write the headline first and then I always write the hook first. I tend to just go off what feels right. Cause as you're mm. reviewing the stuff and, you know, thinking about your buyer stuff's just going to pop up in your head. And so if I like, oh, that's a good line. I'll just go ahead and jot that down in the body copy, get all of the things that just pop into mind that think like, oh, that really applies to what we're trying to do. Get that on the page somewhere where I could then arrange them as a um, mm -hmm. sense once I'm deciding how I want to actually uh, craft a message and how I want it to flow. Um, so if you have a great idea, just get it on there where you can have it and you know, okay, I, I can make that better later, but that inspiration is there and I will remember what it felt like. Okay. So, oh, do we, is there any question on, on that side of things? No, I think that was awesome. Yeah. What um I'm curious, Brendan. So if you had to run like demand gen back at your old company when you were in-house, would you have had to do everything by yourself? So oh, yeah. from customer research to writing the article or landing page or case study to writing the ad copy to launching the ad to measuring it, that would have been all you, yeah. 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 Um, there might've been some opportunities maybe to like have like the product, like the product manager of the product do the article, right? Like the guy that is more technically has more technical aptitude with it, or, um, you know, maybe like an application engineer, but for the most part, it was me writing and then they would edit it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was me the whole, and like, even like into like design, like I'd be an illustrator, Photoshop, Canva, 
Um, almost nothing was outsourced. It was just like, it's a lot of money, right? So um, you just hire that that little business major to, to get the job done. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So true. Same for you. I'll do same like Canva yeah. was my go-to yeah. for like ad creative, had to write the ad copy, had to write everything. And being at Gorilla, it's, I'm just starting to realize just how inefficient that was. Oh, um, yeah. Man. I mean, yeah. So you save money, right? Cause you're, you're paying a marketer like 50 to $65,000 a year. Right. Um, but then it takes me forever to do all that stuff. Cause I'm not a writer. So I don't know how to interview somebody. I don't know how to like, like write an article. Um, I don't know how to turn that article into ad copy and I don't know how to turn that ad copy into design. Um, and I barely knew how to like get campaigns running back then. Um, <laughs> right. So it's like, it took forever to like, to, could you imagine like trying to get a, like from start to finish, this piece of content delivered to your target audience. That would be months of me doing work. Yeah. To get one <laughs> campaign up. And now like with the team of strategist, copywriter, designer, writer, uh, performance marketer that we have a gorilla like on our client teams, uh, we can get a campaign done in uh, weeks. Yeah. And that's including writing a whole article. Crazy, right? Um, what, if you could go back, sorry, Alan, I know we're like totally commandeering your conversion copywriting, but I would like to hear your take on this too. So just hearing what, um, Brendan and I had to go through in-house and we were at big companies, like these are like multiple hundred million, billion. Um, and we had to do this alone. So we work with mid-market companies. So they're making way less than the companies where Brendan and I came from. So they're probably struggling even more to get budget and buy-in. Um, what would you outsource first? If your mm. company was like, all right, we hear you. We believe yeah. in you that this program will work. What do you want to outsource? I'd probably outsource design. I think that is like, cause that takes really specific, like <laughs> Alan, copywriting does take skill set, but like I have some mastery of the English language. So I feel like I can do some writing. But like to actually have the skills to like go into Illustrator or Photoshop and make something that people actually want to look at <laughs> takes a lot of a lot of skill that like a, a lot of technical skill in art and design and in the platform um, that, um, you know, like. I feel like I could do some sort of writing myself where it's a, like it's a good enough, like, you know, it's an MVP. Like it's not going to be Alan Fennewald style, but it's going to be at least passable, like someone will actually be able to read it, whereas like. It's going to be like Microsoft Paint if I design ads. It's not that, it's pretty tough. So it'd be the design. And I'd actually probably like, I'd probably lean more on doing um, like things like IML or podcasts or just like video interviews with subject matter experts to get the creative, right? So I'm doing a video ad and then I will probably do some sort of summarization of that into the ad copy is what I would probably do now looking back on it. Um, if I had to go, you know, it was a one man shop again. So that's kind of where I would go. Like, I think the creative is the first thing though. I like to, I don't know about like bringing in an expert or bringing in a outsource for writing. Alan, tell fun. us, why should we, why should we rethink? Why should we hire a conversion copywriter? Well, I got just going back to how you were talking about being asked to do everything that's kind of like trying to build a boat with a crescent wrench. You know, you could probably pull it off, but it's going to take you a long time and you're probably going to be really frustrated with the process. Whereas if you have all the tools necessary to do the thing that they, that one action you need in that moment as easily as possible, 
then it's going to go smoother. You're probably going to be more efficient and it's probably going to be a better boat. Yeah. Um, so that's just one way I've been thinking of it. And Brennan, I, I'm going to continue with this tool analogy because I've been thinking about the entire time you guys were talking. Um, but I would say that design is like, like a screw, you know, you really need a screwdriver with the copy. That's like a nail, you know, you can hit a lot of stuff with a nail and get it in the board. So, you know, that's, that's right. Um, it just would be easier if you had a good hammer. Yeah. Honestly, Brendan, I would have, when I was in house, I would have been you, I would have been like, design is so easy. Now that I've seen kind of what conversion can do, because I used to write um, ads and landing pages, kind of landing pages for clients, like maybe a year ago at Gorilla before we had Alan or like a dedicated long form writer on the account. And they were passable. Yes. But Alan's getting legitimate results. Like yeah. I, I will admit because I am someone who enjoys executing and I like to do stuff on my own that I was very skeptical, but I've seen the results Alan's gotten. And I'm like, dang, this, this works. Yeah. It helps whenever I'm able to just focus on this one thing, all, you know, hopefully kind of the majority of the day, you know, I just live in people's heads and figure out how to create messaging that is going to reflect that, you know, I don't have to worry about nearly as many things as you all do. So I'm just grateful that you all allow me to do that. <laughs> okay. I have a good question for you, Alan. So Brent and I are in-house again. We can only run one campaign um, based on the conversion copywriting that you've been doing, the landing pages, and then you were a long form writer before. So you've done case studies, you've done long form articles. What is your go-to campaign for a cold targeting audience? And then Brendan, you can follow up. Mm, for cold, Alan, so no retargeting. For cold, yeah, not retargeting. I mean, there's a lot of factors there, you know, like how well-known is your brand already? You yeah, know? it's a really well-known category. We'll say it's like we'll say it's like tooling shops or something, like a machine shop. <sighs> okay, so the easiest one to just fall back on is case study. I know like we can argue whether that's more effective in a, in a retargeting, but case study is just one of those that is hard to completely miss on as long as it's actually, you know, applicable to the buyers. Um, and, you know, you use a case study, get some really good social proof out of it that you can use in your ad copy in some way. It doesn't need to be in a, a quote, but you need to get the sentiment, you know, that, that element that really hits home for people that are it live in that same reality. Um, so I would do do that just as a easy first off. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you got to find out what in that case study, what, which pain point is hammered home the most evidently, and then bring that into your body copy. Think about that pain point. And well, I don't know if we really want to dive into that can of worms, but messaging tactics, or that's where you start thinking about that. What messaging tactic best applies to that pain point. And then what I like to do, if it's, let's say, loss aversion, where it's like, this thing is going to keep you from losing money in the future, then I'll put that in the top of my head, like loss mm -hmm. aversion. This is the thing that I am, I'm writing about so that I've always in mind and make sure that you maintain that concept throughout. You know, you don't want to get off on another thing because the reader is going to get confused. They want to mm -hmm. have a Z line to follow. Oh, that's such a good one. And one that I... Um... Definitely agree with. And one that a big mistake I made when I was writing my own copy is like trying to do too much in the body copy. Like I love, love that thought process, Alan. It's like 
no, you are just losing this one thing. And that's all we're going to focus on. And we're just going to hammer it home until the audience is like, yes, they get me. They know me. Yeah. And I think to that point, like you with both Facebook and LinkedIn, you are given parameters, right? You can't have more than 600 characters in that ad. So you have to be very economical with the words that you use in the body copy uh, to get someone to move to your content piece, right? Like if you're going to get them to the case study, you only have 600 characters to get them there. Um, So what is the thing that's going to do it? And I think, Alan, you're right. Like if you add any sort of confusion in there, skip. I'm going to keep scrolling because this is what is What are they even saying in the body copy? And then to me, like the, uh, like the body copy is like that, uh, um, the preview of that content piece. Right. So if I'm confused in 600 characters, I'm going to be hella confused after reading 2000. Right. (laughs) Uh, so like if you're, uh, yeah, that is the first example. And if it's bad, I'm not going to go to that piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing that's e- like easy to keep in mind, no matter what you're doing in this process is you want to keep your prospect happy at the idea that you are about ready to provide them something that they want. Right. So you need to maintain that motivation. And the moment that you introduce anything that's confusing, it's going to interrupt that brain process. So if you throw in something confusing, then that's going to increase cortisol levels. It's going to make people feel a little panicky. And just that emotion of feeling panicky, whether it has any rational basis or not, is going to create a lot of bounce. Like think about how, how people exist on like an animal instinct level. That's the base layer. Rationale is on top of that. So if you confuse people, even if you think it makes perfect sense to confuse them because of how you need to order the information, you're going to feel a hit. Mm-hmm. All right. So Mary, to answer your earlier question to Alan, I usually lean on more brand type ads in the cold layer, um, especially for a mid-market company. Um, you know, if I like at our previous company, I probably would go the case study route because people already like know my logo, know my colors and know my company name. But I think especially like in a, in a segment that is highly competitive and there's a lot of players um, I am not assuming that anybody knows who I am. And so then I think trying to get them to interact with that ad at the cold layer and get them to a case study is kind of a difficult thing to ask. But if I can just lay out plainly, you know, after doing customer research, here's the problem that I know you're having engineer. Like, I know this thing sucks about your job. Well, this is a solution and the thing that my company can do for you um, and, you know, T- like message it at them, right? Use a lot of use. I don't want to talk about me or I or we. Um, so yeah, you have this problem and you need this type of solution. Here's where you can get it. And then, um, and even so at that level, you might not even need a landing page, right? If you have a very well-designed homepage, that could be your initial landing page or, you know, design a brand type landing page. But that's kind of where I would go first, just to get them aware of who I am, uh, the solution that I offer and like talk to them in a language, like you said, Alan, uh, of the things that, are really difficult about what they do. Uh, I just need them to raise their hand and click on that ad and then get into a retargeting campaign. And then I can start delivering to them case studies, expert articles, product information. Um, and then, you know, down the road, get them maybe do a call to action type of thing. So that's kind of where I go, Mary, is, uh, you know, let's start getting some brand awareness. Nice. Yeah, I would do the same, but follow more like the problem agitate solution. So I just call mm-hmm. it a problem solution campaign rather than mm-hmm. a brand campaign, which is just, mm-hmm. you know, Semantics. Semantics. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, I would definitely use the problem agitate solution framework too. So name the problem really boldly, agitate yep. how horrible it is. The like, like Alan was talking about in the IML, like really triggering that emotional impact right. of the problem. Right. And then we have, to, we have to get the audience to feel something, right? Yes. Like we're not like engineers aren't automatons. They are people with a life and problems and feelings. And we need to connect our brand to them emotionally. Um, I don't think a connection happens without emotion or feeling. And so if you are very uh, robotic in your language, um, you're not, it's going to be difficult for you to connect with an audience, I think. So I think, yeah, you're right, Mary, like problem and then agitate that. Like, yeah, we understand this is like, you have this problem. This is why it's really bad. Um, and this is why you need a solution. Yeah. And just to provide like a quick example of how you could execute on that, one easy way to do it, question lead. Do you feel this way? Yes, I do. Intrigued. Tell me more. It probably causes this, that, and the other thing in your mm -hmm. life. You know what? You really got me figured out, man. Mm -hmm. Well, we have this thing made for you to help you. Boom. One, two, three, done. Nice. Nice. Love that. Yeah. Okay. So, Alan, I'm I'm intrigued by your um, the way that you prep here. So, at the top of your page, you have the type of messaging tactic you want to use, like loss aversion. And then on the rest of the page, you have, here's, you know, I want to write a link headline. I want to write an image headline. And then I want to write body copy. And then, so that's kind of where your starting point is, you know, maybe like, here's the landing page I'm going to. And then it kind of sounds like you also have off to the side, some of the customer insights that you want to lean on. Um, and then, you know, some of the things out of the content piece that you want to lean on and pull into that ad. Is that, is that correct? Or is there anything else that you need that you add to your prep space before you actually begin writing? Um, yeah, well, if that landing page already exists and it has a headline I know I need a message match to, then I might just go ahead and bring that over just so it's there. Mm -hmm. I need to at least use oh, yeah. terms. I might restructure the sentence somewhat, but this is the the meat and potatoes of what at least my call to action is probably yeah. going to be. And that's another little tip that makes it easier to write is I order the doc in the order that people will read things. Mm. So, I will have the headline of the image, like the on-image headline, if you're going to have one at the top, because that's the first thing most people yeah. are going to see on average. Then after that, I have my body copy, um, and I try to kind of mentally separate where that hook is from the rest of the body copy. That's probably going to get cut off. Um, and then the last thing on the doc is that link headline. So if I haven't used that key term enough, I will make sure that I at least get it in that link headline because that's kind of your last CTA. Mm -hmm. you want people to read that and then mm -hmm. read the headline on the landing page and that be like, yeah, you were here. Now you're here. It's the exact same thing. Same words. You're in the place you want to be. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. And that if you don't have message matching on the landing page, that's where people are like, wait a minute. I came here for that thing. And now it's telling me this thing yeah. This might not be the right landing page. Click. You're out. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious about, so you have those things laid out. Once you start getting into writing, where do you spend the majority of your time? Like, let's say like you have hundred percent of time that you're giving to this writing task. What percentage goes to image headline? What percentage goes to the hook of the body? What percentage goes to the rest of the body? What percentage goes to the link headline? This is where um, I guess my artistic tendencies come out because it really depends. Um, mm. I'll, I will just barf what I think could be a pretty good body copy onto the page. Okay. Don't don't overanalyze the first draft. Yep. You know, take all those little sentiments you pulled out of your customer interview or whatever, get them on the page in maybe a way that makes sense structurally, maybe not, doesn't matter. Get it out there on there. Um 
pick out the things that like will make for the good headline. If you didn't already have that in mind, um, you know, and start piecing things around, moving stuff around. Where does that feel good? Where does it make sense? And once you have stuff in place, you have your puzzle pieces basically in the right order. Then I generally will go into editor mode and try to knock out all the words or all the things that aren't actually re relative to my messaging messaging tactic and the pain mm -hmm. points and all that stuff. Whittle it down to where it's just the important parts. Then you can go and restructure it if you haven't started structuring it um, just subconsciously at that point. And the very last thing, once I have it in the order of events I want it to go through, and I think I've got at least like the right tone and everything like that, which you're always going to be improving in throughout your this entire process. I will go into this app or this website called Hemingway Editor. Oh, yeah. I uh, love that thing. Some writers seem to think it's like, I don't know, like a crutch or something, but it just it's it's going to call you out no matter what. Um, so it's it's not something that you can use as a end all be all, um, but it will tell you, hey, you have a whole lot of words in this sentence. We think this is probably hard to read for most people. Yeah. And you, I try to go through and cut out absolutely anything that Hemingway editor says is problematic, unless I think there is absolutely nothing I mm -hmm. can do about it. You know, mm -hmm. um, that's where you got to decide how much time you really want to spend on that because you could spend forever in a day on it. Eventually it does have to be good enough. But one of the ways I use to cheat good enough is, okay, Hemingway editor says it's easy to read at least. Yeah. Um, and one of the things with that is justifying every single word on that doc. That's the mm -hmm. last thing that you probably need to do. Um, probably within the Hemingway editor, it's the easiest way to do it because it indicates, you know, all the things you need to be paying attention to. But if you have a word on there that you don't need, then get rid of it. Mm -hmm. And it might be that you need it for different reasons because, you know, maybe it's because that phrase is something that your end users say all the time. That's necessary. You need that. Yeah. Don't get rid of that. Um, but if it doesn't do something to move the buyer in a very specific and targeted way, then get rid of it. Yeah, Alan, I love that. Um, I've been thinking about this too, is like, just don't be complex for complex sake. Like I think a lot of us in mid-market industrial companies are writing towards engineer type people, right? So highly educated, um, very technical backgrounds, right? A lot of math, a lot of science, a lot of large words, difficult words to understand, but you can write technically and complex subjects in an easy to read manner, right? Mm -hmm. Like we don't have to, like you said, like you don't have to like just make it complex because all oh, my engineers want to be, well, no, they want to be able to scroll through and like th think about like they're sitting on their couch, right? Watching Netflix or whatever, like maybe scroll on LinkedIn. Well, make it easy to read so that they actually understand what you're trying to say. Um, but then, you know, pull in those complex, the details that are complex without writing in a complex way, right? Like no run on sentences, use active voice. Um, you know, what do you like? So with the Hemingway editor, what grade level do you try to get your writing to? Um, well, when it's coming to an engineer, I'll give myself a little bit more wiggle room on the sentences and stuff, but it still needs to be, like you said, active phrasing. If there is a big word, it needs to be because that is the, the right word, you know, right. even if it is a audience that probably has a high degree of complexity bias. You need to allude to that complexity in the easiest, quickest way yeah. possible because these engineers are also very busy people right. and they put a lot of effort into their work. So if they right. think that you haven't put any effort into that copy, then they're going to not give you very much credit. Mm -hmm. um, so what I like to do 
especially if I know I'm going to have some room in the body to throw out the more jargony terms that, you know, they're going to be looking for because that's their keyword or whatever. I want to find what is the thing about that complexity that makes it matter? You know, mm-hmm. what is at the very core of, of the issue and how can I point at that in the most obvious and direct way that lets the people know, Hey, we're about ready to give you a whole lot of information, but all of it's worthwhile. Mm-hmm. I'll answer my own question. Um, I try to go for a ninth grade reading level. So it feels like you get Dang. You, Yeah, I would almost like go, I'm like fourth. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I think seventh is where I try to maximize okay. that, honestly. Interesting. If if ninth, ninth is fine, you know, if you got some some big keywords you got to throw out there, but I try to keep it below high school. Okay. Oh, maybe I gotta do a little work on my writing then. I don't know. Man, maybe great, it's working huh? for you. Maybe it's working for you. Maybe it's not though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, that brings me to my okay. We'll we'll wrap this up then. This will be my final question. Since you said maybe it's not working, Alan, how do we know coffee mm. is working? Well, is it converting? Yeah, hopefully you track your progress in your <laughs> ad manager and have some numbers that can pretty clearly indicate whether or not it's working for you. One thing that I would say though is that you need to know what you consider success. Mm-hmm. Boom! Awesome. Mm-hmm. So yeah, make sure find you- what success means. Right. Yes, love that. Um, yeah, we'll bring this into the technical side since that's what uh, Brendan and I specialize in. Make sure you have your custom conversion set up for the love of Pete. Go Google it. Look up how to do custom conversions and just do it. It's not that hard. Awesome. One thing, one thing I think we can say on conversions is don't. I I wouldn't expect super high numbers on form conversions coming from an expert article, right? Um, but there's some other things that can lead, like that can lead to success, right? Like I think with a piece like that, I want them to consume the article, right? Like if we spend time, we have a 3000 word article, I want them on the page consuming, right? So I think the first thing in the ad platform, right? If we're on LinkedIn, I'm going to be looking at, did this ad copy, bring them to the landing page, right? Cause the landing page is going to be the article. So how many link clicks did I get? Um, cause I just want to see like, Am I am I moving people off of LinkedIn to the article? And usually this is in retargeting, right? So they already know who I am. They they've interacted with me somewhat, um, but I want them to start like putting my brand in their mind with, oh, this this person is an expert in whatever segment they're in. Um, I want to get more information, so let's let's get them to the website. So it's link clicks. Um, another one I like to set up is website visits. Um, so this is a conversion you could do in LinkedIn, um, but. Am I, is my ad like, am, do I have enough brand recall and awareness to bring someone back to my website after they've seen my ad? Right. So they see my ad, they close LinkedIn later, they get back on and they come to my website. Well, you can set that up as a conversion uh, for page views. So did they come to my website based on that ad? So I want to see that. And then once we get to the, the article, like, did they consume it? Right. So what is the time on page? So let's get into Google analytics, pull up that, that article. And you can like, if you set up UTMs, you can search that article by the UTM by LinkedIn. So are the people that are coming to this landing page from LinkedIn consuming at a rate that makes sense, right? So if we're doing a two to 3000 word article, I'd like to see something in the two to five minute range on time on page. And if it's not, then you either probably need to work on your writing or you're bringing the wrong people to the article. That's awesome, Brendan. I love that. It goes back right back to Alan's point is like, make sure you know what you're measuring. What does success look like for you for this campaign? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it could be that 
you wrote such a good ad copy that you already got them converted by the time they hit the landing page. And if there's already a form on the top, they're going to go bing, bang, boom, conversion. And then that whole time on page thing is going to be misleading. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think to the point like that you all brought up on IML, and I think uh, Kevin might've talked about this, but uh, you know, in-feed consumption, right? Um, we can't expect everyone to go to the landing page, right? Nobody, not many people want to get off LinkedIn or get off Facebook or get off Reddit. They want to stay on the platform. So are you providing enough information in that body copy in those 600 words where they can leave there saying like, oh yeah, that person is an expert. I don't want to go read the article right now, but they at least like, do they hit the see more button? Um, like, are they reading your ad copy? And if they read their ad copy, are they getting kind of the point, the gist of what you're trying to say in your, in your content piece that I think would be the goal, right? So between the creative and the copy, are you educating and informing them in the platform, uh, without necessarily having to rely on them going to the landing page? Yeah. I always think of that as self-qualifying. Are you allowing them to decide before they waste anybody's time on in the internal side with your salespeople? Is this product right for me? Is this something that I want? Mm -hmm. It's making everything easier from that point on because the customer's already done a lot of that work on their own because you provided them with good information in the ad copy and landing page or wherever. All right, Alan. So you have, um, you know, you've gone through Hemingway Editor, you've edited it down. Like, what are the last like couple steps you do before you actually publish? Like, what what else goes kind of goes through your brain or that you're doing uh, before we actually get these campaigns live? Um, well, the creative aspect of it, we haven't really talked about it all, but, yeah. um, I will always, always, unless I know the creative is already planned out, I will at least provide a note to our designer saying, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Do we have any images that are like this mm -hmm. Do you think that the text would fit like that? I'll just give them my two cents. And okay. So let's take it like me and Mary in house again. Um, I said, I would maybe probably outsource my creative to a, a professional that knows how to do design. What types of things should I be providing to that designer to get a good design out of them? First rule is say dog, show dog. That's an old newspaper thing. But your picture needs to make sense with your copy. If you're talking about a person doing a job, the, the picture of someone doing that job is most likely the best photo selection. Um, that is the biggest thing that I'm concerned about from like just it making sense with my copy is what are we what do we have a picture of and how close can it be to this ideal for what would fit the body copy? Um, and then also some things that I have to work around is just how long my on image headline is, because sometimes they'll come back and be like, hey, man, this image is just a, or this image is good, but your headline's too long now. It's getting in the way. And you got to go back and forth to make sure that the image looks good with the copy because that presentation is going to go a long way with how much credit the customer is going to give you right off the bat. You know, it's that first impression. And then also uh, just on the copy side too is I generally will go through one more time and from the perspective of the buyer and read it and think, does this make sense to me? Does it on my voice? You know, just make sure that that your last read is from the perspective of your buyer and not anything else. So that, that would be a, the, the very last little tidbit I would recommend. Because I've had, just to explain that, I've had issues where someone will be like, hey, you know, I want you to change this or I want you to change that. And I'll go through and be like, okay, it's, it's right for the edits I was given. But there might have been something about that edit that actually threw it off a little bit and messed up the voice a little. And then you got to make sure that you're not, you know, shooting yourself in the foot. Mary, were there any questions from IML you wanted to cover quick? 
Um, we covered everything either in the episode or in today's. Okay. Except for this one question, Brendan. How do I get added to the Slack channel? Oh, Mary, that's a great question. Um, you can just DM me or Mary on LinkedIn or email us at our gorilla emails and we can get you in and you can get connected with over a hundred industrial marketers uh, to talk about the problems you're having in your job, show off some of the work that you're working on. Uh, we have cool job alerts in there. So if you're looking for a new gig, uh, maybe this is a good place to start looking. Um, yeah. And then Mary, how do we, uh, how do people like get more involved in the community and uh, you know, maybe participate live? Yeah, so I highly recommend going to industrialmarketinglive.com. You can register for all our bi-monthly events. Really excited for our next few. We have some guest speakers. We have Eddie Saunders coming to talk about buddy branding. We have MJ Peters on to come talk about trade shows. Um, who, who else is our trade show guest? We have uh, um, Will Healy, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah Will Healy's going to come talk trade shows. So we're excited. Yeah. We got a good couple, uh, good couple of IMLs coming up. Alan, how can people learn more about you and and kind of pay attention to what you're talking about? Well, I tend to be fairly active on LinkedIn. If anyone wants to follow me on there, um, I am the only Alan Finnewald on the planet, as far as I know right now. Whoa, that's cool. Pretty easy to find. <laughs> that is. There cool. was another. There was another one in Virginia at one point, but I don't know if they're still with us. Um, oh, no. So Rest yeah, just, just search me on LinkedIn. It'll I'll pop up right real quick. A-L-L-E-N-F-E-N-N-E-W-A-L-D at Gorilla76. And, you know, I, I look forward to getting a talk conversion with more people if anyone wants to, you know, join me on there. I'll put a, I'll put a link to your uh, LinkedIn profile in the uh, episode description, Alan. All right. Yeah, sounds good. I couldn't even remember what my at sign was for a second there. I got you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Peace.